Oh, you're already on it. Thank you. God bless you. So, this month, last month, I think we, we've been on a topic of kind of a theme of going back to the basics, right? And what are some of the things that we've talked about so far as we've been discussing going back to the basics? Hmm? The gospel, okay. Praying and reading your Bible. Mm-hmm. And then what, what did you guys discuss last week? Mm-hmm. Christian community and fellowship. What did you guys take from that? Yes. being able to pray for one another? Correct. Correct one another, okay. And then unity. Cool, cool. Anybody else? Awesome. So, at the end of this, the day, our job as believers on this earth is to do what brings glory to God. Right? Our lives, our bodies, there to serve the Lord with all our hearts, minds, and souls. And going back to the basics has been very, very important. Because in step one, we kind of talked a bit about building a relationship with God, right? You as a believer, how can you be able to go out there? How can you be able to talk to people? If were you can understand what the Lord is so-so, right? Or you have no relationship with God. So going back to that, going back to the basics, first discussing building a relationship with God, and that is aided by the prayers, right? And the time that you guys spend within your Bible and reading on a consistent basis. And then the step two, building the relationship with godly community that we discussed as well. So all of this to kind of say that when you go to God and you are somebody who kind of starting out with the Lord, it's really important that one, you kind of figure out where you are with the Lord first, right? Figure that part out. And then you figure out how you can impact the Christian brothers and sisters around you, right? to build that relationship with them and get to that key point of unity that Kojo was talking about last week. And then, together as a unified fort, go out into the world and share the good news of Jesus Christ with those who have not yet heard, those who have yet to believe, and those who vehemently reject the gospel. Right? So that's why all of these things, there's a method to the madness, right, that we've been going through. And today, our topic is going to be on discussing relating with non-believers. How winning souls for Christ and what it is that we are, what, to do. So, I'm going to be kind of talking us through that for quite a bit. Um, Certainly open for any types of questions, discussions, and... I want to make this as interactive as possible. So feel free to stop me if you guys have any questions that I go through, okay? It's the one time I'm being like, yeah, go ahead, just stop me, cut me off, and let's just chat it up, all right? This is very, very key. All right. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. We thank you for allowing us to be able to gather once more um, under your feet, dear God. We pray that you help us in understanding your word today and what you have for us and how we are to relate to those who are around. God, we thank you so much. Please be with us in this time. Father God, speak through me to your people. Put aside my words, my thoughts, and let your Holy Spirit speak through me to your folks today. And let hearts be responsive 
to take what we learned today and go out into the world and implement. God, we thank you so much. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name, we do pray. Amen. So, our core key Bible verse today, we're going to jump around a couple of times here and there, but today we're going to be mainly in 1 Corinthians. I'll go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. We're going to go 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 to 23. Let me know if you're there. If you if you need more time, say hold up. Hey, does it mean everybody's there? 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, not 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians walking to a bar. No. What? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you need more time, say hold up. My gentlemen, my gentlemen. First Corinthians, tiny book, right after Romans. Are we all there? Should we please rise for the reading of the, the word? If y'all don't mind. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 to 23. I'm reading from the ESV version. And it reads, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside of the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Beloved, as usual, look over to your neighbor and say, neighbor, oh neighbor, what business are you in? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> Ask the question. What business are you in? Because we're all engaged in some sort of business. <laughs> all right, y'all, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. So house rules as usual, please put away your phones. If you're not using them for taking notes or anything, put them away if you don't need them. Let's all focus up here. Um, and just really talk about this because this is very, very key. We've been building up to this point up until today. All right? So, I asked the question, what business are you in? And that is very, very important because as we see here within 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 to 23, this was written by Paul. And Paul was an apostle um, of Jesus Christ. Before... Paul became an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was one that was crucifying folks, right? He was really persecuting the Jews. Sorry, not the Jews. He was persecuting all the new Christians that had come about, right? And the Jews, whoever, whichever Jew decided they were going to follow Jesus, Paul was not about that. And Paul came to a point where um, he met Christ, and Christ, long story short, he gave his life to the Lord, right? And he's the one who was written First Corinthians. And First Corinthians was a book that was written to the church at Corinth, right? So Corinthians, is, it's considered an epistle. Well, I'll say that with me. Epistle? Epistle? epistle. Not pistol. Epistle? Now try saying that five times. 
Yeah, I did. How many of y'all struggle with that? I typically struggle with it. But Paul wrote this epistle that is essentially a letter to the church at Corinth and letting them know pretty much how to relate with those who are non-believers. There were a lot of different topics that he went through, right? But some folks were kind of trying to figure out, okay, now that I've become a Christian, how do I relate to these people who haven't accepted Jesus Christ? Do I eat with them? Do I not eat with them, right? There were a lot of issues around that. And Paul said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me come here and clarify all of this for you guys. So, that is what exactly what Paul came and did. So within these verses, 19 to 23, we see that Paul is essentially saying, hey, I'm going to be all things to all people. What does it mean to be all things to all people? I know we, we read the, the word here, and there was a lot of, there's a lot of words there, right? Um, that, was that clear to everybody? Would anybody like to take a chance at summarizing what we just read? Has anybody read this verse before? Yeah? Okay. For those of you guys who have read this before, what, what were your thoughts of it? To you, what, 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 what did it mean? Yes? Can you hear the, the mic, please? Yeah, take this Uh, I would say that in order to bring more people to Christ, that you have to come down to their level of understanding. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That's a good point. Anybody else? Okay. So what we see here, and that's exactly correct, right? There's three types of things that Paul is trying to do here. One, he's trying to say that he became, to, the one, to those who were under the law, he became as though he was under the law. Who are the people who are under the law? Hmm? Say that again? Not necessarily. When we say under the law, what is the law? The government's rules, okay. There's that. So, a little lesson. Whenever the Bible talks about the law, and well, that can become a couple different things, but especially, I think one of you guys read Romans, you'll see the word law, law, law tossed around several times, and Paul uses that quite a bit. Whenever we talk about the people of the law, we're referring to the Jews. Right? The people of the law. And they were given the law by God. Right, So we're talking about the laws like the 633 laws. So there were about that many laws listed all the way back in the Old Testament. Right? Now when it comes to laws, there are different types of laws. You have ceremonial laws. You have moral laws. Okay? Jesus pretty much came and said, okay, these ceremonial laws that you guys had, at the end of the day... What is ultimately important is to love on one another, is to love other people, right? So Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but he came to do what? Fulfill it, right? And essentially, what we're getting at here is that the moral law is still key. So when Paul tells these folks here that he became as one who was under the law. So he became like the Jews, right? Living with the Jews. But within himself, he knows that, hey, he's a believer, right? So that's why it says within the brackets there, it says, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. A lot of times, some people say, well, in order for me to win my friend, to bring them to Christ, I have to go with them wherever they're going. And then they reference this Bible verse here. That's why I, we want it to be very, I want it to be very, very clear 
that what we see there within the mine is in parentheses. I don't know what it's like in yours, but when we see there, it says not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ is very, very, very important because that means that you don't compromise the laws of God, right? The laws of Christ to go and reach your brother or sister who is lost, right? Who has not yet been saved. So example, right? Plain English. If your buddies are, you know, decided that they want to go to the club, right? And you're like, oh, I don't really go to the club, but I'm going to go there because that's where they are. Or if you're like, oh, hey, you know, they're going to the strip club. This brother of mine, I really know him well. So I'm just going to go to the strip club and talk about Jesus with him. Because when I get there, like, he's going to know that I'm real. He's going to know that I'm here with him. So while we sit in there, they toss some dollar bills around. I'm going to be telling him about Jesus. All right? That doesn't work, guys. And that's, that's what Paul is essentially saying here, that no, do not do that. So remain under the law of God. Amen? But he's essentially saying that when we become believers, sometimes one or two things happen. One, we're kind of on the lukewarm side. All right, Jesus, he's cool. I like him for that. He helps me with my psychological needs. He's a crutch, right? Oh, sorry. Question? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, good question. Any thoughts? Or should I answer? Huh? You advise them not to go. Okay. Okay. That's one. You can advise them not to go. Um, in that scenario, do not join your friend to the strip club to go tell them about Jesus. Right? Um, <laughs> you can find them at another time in another venue, right? And you say, hey, let's just grab lunch. But what you shouldn't do is write that person off completely. You shouldn't be like, oh, this person, all they want to do is just go to the strip club, so there's no way they, they're, they're done, right? We, people have liberties. Allow them to exercise their liberties and their freedoms in that sense. But you want to be able to make sure that you're still connecting with the person saying, hey, you know, I really care about you, right? I really love you, and Let's grab lunch sometime, right? And let's just chop it up. Let me tell you about Jesus, right? That's how I would handle that. Maybe something preferably during the daytime. Let me be like, yo, come over to my house and let's do Bible study. Nah, nah, nah. nah. That's, not a, that's not a good one. Yes? Um, one thing I've also noticed in experience is if you tell them that let's, Let's grab lunch and talk about the word Jesus between the sentences. They tend to be like a little bit not want to go. Because they say, I have something I want to talk to you about. Now they get curious and they actually want to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Whichever way the good Lord pushes you guys, do that. Um. Benji, I'm going to just leave you alone for today. But does that help answer your question? Okay. That's how I would go about that with a, with a friend in that situation. But Paul is essentially saying that, hey, when you become a believer, you kind of go one of two ways. One, you're like, oh, I'm holier than thou. Step one. I don't want to have anything to do with those people because I know Jesus and they don't and all of that stuff. So that's one type of person. Or you become the other type of person that we were saying on the lukewarm side. But Paul is saying that we ought to do neither of those things. We must become, you know, all things, all people that we may serve. At the end of the day, we are called to love our neighbor, right? Love our neighbors, right? And that love is always directly tied to service. You can't essentially love somebody without serving the person. That's what Paul is kind of putting here, right? Use the liberties that we have to love on other people. So he's saying, hey, if they're going to like a football game, feel free to go to the football game, right? If you see that somebody, you know, 
likes going to lunch, go to lunch with them, right? Don't shy away or like block folks away because they're non-believers, right? That's the wrong way to go about things. At the same time, don't indulge, right, in sinful things that they do. And Paul makes that very clear here. So we have to have a, a connection with unbelievers. We have to. We're not living in this bubble. Do not live in a Christian bubble. It's very, very easy to do that. Especially like when you're in school, like it's very easy to just be with, hey, here are my Christian buddies, here's my Christian community, and that's it. No, God didn't just call you to come to know him. And he didn't call you to just come to know other people that know him. He calls you to go out into the world to those who do, have not yet known him and are yet to believe and will believe as a result of what it is that you guys are going to tell them. You guys tracking with me? So there's a step to this, right, that, as we've gone through. So, we are to win others, save others, and be a partaker in the benefits of the gospel ourselves. That's exactly what Paul is expressing to us here. Unbelievers must know that we have a, we have a relationship with them. But they must also know that we are very, very, very different. Right? When people know you, they know what you're about. They're not even going to come up to you and be like, hey, let's go to the strip club. If your friend can boldly come to you and be like, hey, let's go to the strip club. What have they learned about you and your faith that makes them comfortable to come and ask you that question? Are you guys tracking with me? So folks should know you in that type of way. And there's no problem with that. Ooh, excuse me. Example, my first year of college, um, I had these two friends that, best, best, best friends, right? I'd known them since like third grade. And that was kind of when I was like, oh, okay, you know, walking with the Lord, all those things. It's wonderful, fun. Um, and in college, there was a lot of like pre-gaming, a lot of getting drunk before you go out to an actual party, and that happens, right? And my friend, had, they, she, they pretty much come to visit from under a different college. And I wanted to hang out with them. But when I was going to their dorm, um, one of them pretty much, like, they, they, they didn't even respond. So I was like, hey, where are you guys at? Where are you going to be at? No response until the following day that they messaged me, right? Now, this was very painful to me. I had an idea of kind of probably what they were up to, right? But they didn't even want to include me in that. Now I look back on it, it was like, there's a reason why, right? They kind of know what I'm about and where I'm coming from. We're still cool. We still grab lunch later on and all those things. But they know that I'm coming from a radically different place than they were, right? So that's kind of what I mean when, when kind of dealing with unbelievers, just kind of how to, how we relate to other folks. But there's a problem, guys. There's one big problem to this whole telling people about Jesus thing, right? And another word that you can use for it is evangelism. There's a problem when it comes to evangelism that we really, really, really need to discuss. Anybody know who the Mormons are? Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. Church of Christ. Yeah? No? Okay. When the Mormon turns 18, or when they finish high school, Mormons are typically required to go out into the world and serve two years in some place around the world. So sometimes maybe in Ghana you will see them. They wear the white t-shirts, the black pants. Maybe sometimes they got a bike. They usually got a buddy with them. Those ones. Those aren't the Jehovah Witnesses, they're the Mormons. So they go out and they're required to go out and serve at least two years, okay? Because they realize that they wanna share their faith with as many people as possible. The problem for us as believers, however, is that we often don't. 
And there's a reason for that. We don't have the passion for evangelism. And the reason for that is that we don't quite yet understand or fully have an appreciation for what is truly at stake. Go with me to Romans 2, verse 5. Romans 5, verse 9. You journey on, if you're still in Corinthians, just journey on a little few pages back. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. If anybody is there, feel free to read that for me. Push on over to chapter 2, verse 5. Uh, verse 5, yes, please. says that because of your hard and impenitent heart you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed guys unfortunately we don't have a good appreciation for this whenever we talk about the wrath of God we should be trembling we should be tearing up almost Because there is a day that is coming where God will be here for his people. And those that do not put their faith in Jesus Christ will be eternally separated from God. You guys remember we talked about the gospel a bit earlier, right? Y'all are seeing how this is all building up together now, right? And just as a quick recap on it, We have wronged God in so many ways, right? And as a result of that, we deserve eternal separation from God in hell. Yeah, I said the H word. (laughs) That's what happens. We deserve eternal separation from God. But God being so loving and so caring and so just, made a way and an opportunity for us to be saved from that wrath. He gave us his son, Jesus Christ, who acts as a propitiation, an expiation of our faith, expiation for us from the wrath of God. Propitiation is what? To shield us from the wrath of God, right? So the wrath of God, think of it as like, well, like a dragon breathing fire or something, right? And Jesus brings up the big old shield, right? And is blocking us and covering us from the wrath of God, right? The wrath of God is coming, but those who are with Jesus will be saved from that wrath and sheltered and under the wings of the Lord. And then there's expiation. Jesus Christ pretty much removes the guilt that we are to feel, right, when we sin. That we no longer live in guilt, that we are a new creation, right? Because if we're constantly living in guilt, there's no way we're going to be able to go out there and share the good news with anybody. We're always just going to be dwelling on that. So God came, showed us how to live, and then he died on the cross, right? Rose three days later. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. The gospel is such good news. And we've probably all heard it here so many times that it's probably now become, you know, 
mundane or like just regular to us. But this gospel here is living water for some whose souls thirst. And there are many thirsty souls out there that we are then to give and share this gospel with them. Freely we were given, and freely should we go out there and give. Christ came not for those who already know him. Christ came to save sinners. And I'll read really quickly on 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 to 17. It says, I thank him. This is Paul writing to Timothy. It says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithfully, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent op- op- opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost but I receive mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the kings of the ages, immortal, invisible, and the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Guys, this is, yes. That that was 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 to 17. So write that down, guys. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 to 17. This is not just Paul's story. This is my story. This is your story. For everybody who comes to believe in Jesus Christ, this is your story too. Because at a time, we were also just like our non-believing friends and family. We were separated from God. Right? Guys, this... I I pray that we, we never become desensitized to the wrath of God. That we never become desensitized to hell. We know that someday God really is coming. And when we know that and we really feel the implications of that, the last thing we should be doing is infighting amongst believers or just being lazy or deciding that we want nothing to do with God or just kind of check it off as a box or using God as this sort of psychological crutch that when I'm going through something, God is there to pick me up. God is not just your pick-me-up buddy. He's saying, all right, I picked you up. Now let's go. Now get up and let's go. Because your buddies out there, I want them to know me too, and I want them to know me through you. Yes, God, is, God can do anything and shows himself in many ways and shares himself to people in dreams and all those things in many, many different ways. But one of the primary ways that God wants others to come to know him is through believers like you and me. You don't have to have the perfect speech, the perfect saying, how to go about things. Just pray and ask God to help you in sharing him with somebody else. And he'll do it. So I want us to be able to understand that having the, that passion for evangelism, we must understand what it takes. We must, sorry, we must understand what is at stake. When we see that, yes, if, if people do not come to know Jesus, there's a real place that they're going. They'll be eternally separated from God. And I, the way I think about it in my mind is that I have the keys, right, to freedom, to set somebody free. And my friends are in a cage. My family are in a cage. I've got the key. 
But I put the key in my back pocket and I'm off hanging around with my other buddies, with either just my Christian friends or with my worldly friends, they don't even know or have any hint or an idea that I have a key. And that key, the good news of Jesus Christ, to unlock them out of darkness. Guys, when God calls you, he empowers you. I know at times another thing is, well, I'm scared. What are they going to say? It's kind of awkward to just let people know. I'd say one, work on the way that you live your life. How do you live your life? Because many times the way you live your life will speak volumes. Can, can, does your friend know you as a believer? Don't have to answer that question. Or does your friend know you as somebody that they could easily come and be like, yo, let's go to the strip club. Which one is it? If your friend does not know you as a believer, then we got to go back to the earlier part of what? The basics. You guys tracking with me, right? Because that means that there's something fundamentally off balance. Perhaps something going on within us. Well, we got to go back to God and figure out, God, what's going on with me and you here? Because the way we relate to other people, our horizontal relationship with other people is based solely on our vertical relationship with God. Get that again. Our horizontal relationship with other people is based solely on our vertical relationship with God. If you do not have a great, good relationship with God, you will not be able to love other people. You will not be able to follow the commandment that he has given us. You will have nothing in you to give out to people. That is why we did the, the, the exercise earlier. That many of us are crying and saying, God, we love you. God, we're great. But we wouldn't dare go out there and share anything. And when that is happening, there is something up here with us and God that isn't working. At the end of the day, that comes down to the root of the problem. Where is it that we're struggling with God? And ultimately, that comes down to pride, right? When we dig really deep, that every sin is rooted in pride. So, I'll be closing this out soon in saying that Colossians 4, 5 to 6 teaches us that we are to walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Make the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each person. There are some people, guys, who are combative, and people who do not know the Lord, and they are combative. And they'll come and say, what is this whole thing about this Jesus thing? Like, that's not real, it's fake. And they'll point to all these different scriptures, right? So we must always be prepared to have a reason for the faith that we have. And the goal is not for you to have all the answers. It's really not. Typically, people don't really respond well to just a bunch of different verses. But people respond well to your story. People respond well to your story. Because that is real. Because... When you tell them about what you've been through and they see that you've been through so much, but you're still walking with God, they're really going to start wondering and asking, who is this God that you still continue to follow despite everything that you claim you've been through? That is real. Like We can tell them the stories about Moses and Abraham and David and all those things that they, that they went through. But I'm sure your friends may be more interested, at least in the beginning, to learn and hear what you have been, been, what you have been through. 
and why you follow God? I just might ask. Because at the end of the day, the battle to follow Christ is not a head issue. It's not an intellectual fight. You guys with me? There's some folks who are on the intellectual side who are like, well, theologically, you know, the Holy Spirit, all those things, the triune God, let's talk about those things. Doxology. There are some folks who need to be connected in that way, in an apologetic type of way. All right? There's that. But ultimately, the root cause of somebody stepping away, not wanting to follow Jesus, is not a head issue, it's a heart issue. And that part, they will come to know when we share our stories with them. So I encourage you guys, first, figure out where you stand with the Lord. How is your relationship up and down? And then next, the Christian community around you. How are you strengthening one another and sharpening each other as iron sharpens iron? Right? And third, when you're there, how are you then sharing that with those who desperately need Jesus? Y'all tracking with me? Any questions so far? Which one? All three of them? Sure, no problem. So I said, step one. Check your relationship with God. Where do you stand? Where are you with him? Do you even believe in God yourself? Are you struggling with faith? If, if, that's, if that's you, that's okay. Faith and doubt are not mutually exclusive. You can doubt and still have faith. Somebody told me faith is battling doubt day by day. Right, so where are you with the Lord? Check that. And then next, where are you with the fellow brothers and sisters, the Christian brothers and sisters around you? Like, what is your relationship like with them? Are you guys unified? Are you fighting? Because if you all are fighting, the funniest thing, guys, to me is that the most judgmental people the most um, critical people that come up are is somebody who is a non-believer whenever a believer or the church makes a mistake or does something wrong, right? They're like, oh, y'all supposed to be the ones who follow Jesus. What y'all talking about? I mean, y'all, y'all can't even get it right. So what is this? Why should I come and follow this God of yours if you guys can't even get along. And to some extent, they have a point, right? To some extent, they have a point. So as believers, we must be unified, right? Love on each other. We can't love on each other if we don't, aren't loving God the right way, right? Or we don't have a relationship with God. And it can, it can hurt. Especially when we are as believers ourselves. Church hurt is real, y'all. We've been through it. I don't know the topic for a different day. But it, it's, it's real, right? It doesn't mean that we are to step away from the church. And when I say church, I don't mean like these four walls. I mean my brothers and sisters sitting right next to me. That's that we are the church, right? We are the body of Christ. You may step on my toes, and I got to gently bring that to your attention. You know? Yes, Francine? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Francis mentioned that maybe someday we can talk about the book of Revelation. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's definitely something that we can bring up to the other teachers and kind of see how we can go about that. Um, we've done, like you were mentioning, we've done a good amount in the first chapter talking about the seven churches. Because but, mm-hmm. like, a lot of things are happening around this world. 
Yes, yes. A lot of things are going around in this world. The end times, all those things are real. We will bring that into discussion. But I think the only thing I want you guys to keep in mind from those said end times is that we are called to work towards helping bring other people to know Jesus, right? If you're somebody who knows Jesus, you have a relationship with God, there's nothing in the end times that should, yeah, like alarm you fully, right? You know what? Yeah, it's a scarier thing. You're a human being, but like you're a child of God and he will always care for you. All right? But yeah, we'll see where we can go on the Revelation side. The, the difficult thing sometimes with, with Revelation is that it requires a lot of, it's not really a let's come and preach about Revelation type of thing, but it's something that really requires some in-depth, let's sit down and talk and let's have discussions, right? And we all kind of come prepared. So we'll kind of talk about that a bit more, but thank you for that suggestion. That's really great. Any other questions on this topic here? Yes. Yes, thank you. The third step. So the third step is going out into the world, right? And sharing the good news. The third step will be, we'll close it with Matthew chapter 28. So gather with me. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. So Matthew chapter 28. And I'll end it there with that reading. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. So, this is, these are the words of Jesus Christ. And this is, this is the word that he gave to his disciples, right? So these are people who have a relationship with Jesus. They're working to love one another within community, right? And now Jesus is committing them to go out. So let's read this part. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Beloved, we are living in a go and tell um, era. We're no longer in the come and see era, but in a go and tell. Understand that Luke 10 to Luke 10, Luke chapter 10, verse 2, that the laborers are few, but the harvest is plenty. What does that mean? There are a lot of people who desperately need Jesus, who desperately need to hear the good news, but there's very few of us. And it's not that there's few of us because we don't exist or because we haven't accepted Jesus ourselves. There's few of us because we don't fully comprehend or appreciate what is at stake to go out there. This isn't some everybody become a missionary type story. Because even within our own communities, our own friends, I'm sure we all know one person. And one thing to add there is that it takes time. On some folks, it may be simple as, hey, let's go to church or whatever it may be. Let's just hang out. For other folks, it may take years decades forever one example is my barber I've been going to this man for over five years every time I go to him we talk about God he has millions of questions when I have the answers I'll share when I don't I tell him I don't know 
and I'll get back to you. And he always appreciates the conversations that we have about it. And my hope someday is that he will come to know Jesus Christ. Because his whole generation could then change. He's got two kids, he's got a wife. Imagine what that could be like. So when we think about just that one person that we impact, don't think that it's just small. Because that one person can go out and you change their lineage, you change their line forever. You guys with me? So the one person that you impact makes a big difference. All of these wonderful, great um, prophets that we see, trust me, they didn't really like get that many people to come to know the Lord. When we talk about Jeremiah, for example, that's his was like a few, a few thousand, right? In his whole ministry, all his life that he set aside, just a few people that he had, maybe hundreds of thousands. So it's not about the quantity, because you don't ever know what those folks that you impact, where they will go with the message, the good news that you've given them. I have simply one charge to you. You have the key. Take the key out of your pockets and unlock the gate. Go with me. You got the key. The good news of Jesus Christ. You've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You know what is at stake. You have the key. Take it out of your pocket and open the door so that your friend, your family member may come out of darkness and also share in the joy that you have in the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the word today, being able to go through this, dear God. We are so grateful. Lord, we want to pray for all of our friends, all of our family members that do not yet believe in you, whom you have called. God, I want to pray that we who are here, that you strengthen us, empower us to share your good news with them, to share what you've done within our lives with them so that they too may consider you and that they may ultimately believe in you and share in that joy as well. God, help us to understand what is at stake. Help us to really feel that, Lord, and want your wrath for nobody, even the worst person. Lord God, you created them and you love them. You want your wrath to not be upon them. Lord God, you desire that nobody should perish. And so I pray that you help us here, strengthen us to be able to go out into the world. And that world is just within our community around us to share with them. For God, we thank you so much. We bless your holy name. Continue to strengthen our relationship with you with those around us to empower us to share your news. We thank you, dear God. In Jesus' my name we do pray. The saints say amen. amen.